0: Hey guys, Taylor here. Just wanted to give a quick disclaimer before the podcast. We're going to be talking about the Hornets and we discuss Miles Bridges a little bit. Uh, His current legal situation is he's awaiting trial facing domestic violence charges. I just want to say that we on the Basketball Index podcast support women as well as the right to a fair trial. Also in the show notes, um, there is going to be the National Domestic Violence Hotline number listed. Now that we've addressed that, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we have special guest, James Plowright. Today we're covering the uh, Hornets. James is the site content manager for All Hornets, and he is also the creator of the All Hornets Podcast Network. James, how you doing, and how do you feel about the state of the Hornets?
1: Yeah, Taylor, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm, I'm doing great. How I'm feeling about the state of the Hornets, uh, I mean, it's it's fair to say the Hornets are probably having the nightmare off-season, like, generally struggling to think of a NBA team who's had as bad an off-season as the Charlotte Hornets have this year, if I'm being honest. And not all that's been within their control. I'd actually say, like, a, a good portion of it wasn't. Um, so I, I think fans are pretty down right now about the team. There's so many positive vibes coming off the last two seasons, and um, right now, I think people feel a little bit directionless and don't really know how the team's going to get on this upcoming season.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, tumultuous <laughs> off season is, is fitting for that was them. My- but- uh, eventful. Yes. Uh, they do have some bright spots. Uh, we're going to start talking about LaMelo, uh, progressed really nicely in year two. The numbers here at basketball index really like him. Uh, he took a pretty big jump in three point shooting talent, ended up in the 96th percentile this season. And, uh, his playmaking was great in his rookie uh, year. Took another jump was sixth in our playmaking grade, really get into that elite territory. Uh, what did you see from him in year two?
1: Yeah, I mean, Melo very much took a jump this year. Um, it, what people forget about his rookie season is a lot of his numbers really got hurt because one, he was coming off the bench at the start of the year. And then right at the end of the year, he came back after this wrist injury. And after he came back for the last kind of 15 games or so, his his shot was not the same. That wrist was not comfortable. So you, you look at his numbers last year compared to the year before and you go, oh my God, he's taken such a jump. But actually, if you... If you take out the the in the in when he was playing essentially hurt and at the start of the season, that they're, they're somewhat similar. Uh, but but overall, I mean, the shooting jump was he was already a good three point shooter. And that was one of the big questions coming out of the draft, as people didn't know how efficient he was going to be. But it, it looks kind of weird. It's almost like a set shot. He never shoots from the three point line, he always steps about three foot behind it. 25 footer is just a regular three point shot for him. Um, and overall he's, he's who like, doesn't, he's not great. Kind of like dribble, 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 dribble. I'll get myself a three point shot. If you look at the kind of late clock situations, guys like Darius Garland, Trey young, much better three point shooters late in the clock creating for themselves. But Lamello's really struggled with that. And he's much better kind of off the catch relocating from, from a, a slasher or someone going to the rim. Um, but, but overall he's, Turned into an exceptional shooter, and he can make some some really tough shots off the catch from really limitless range. So I'm interested to see how you can see guys like Lillard and Steph how they leverage their their deep deep three point shooting, and how Lamelo could potentially look to do that in his future.
0: I think we just came out with a deep 3 point shooting metric I think Ooh. like literally a week ago. So I'll definitely uh, be curious to, to I'll be curious to see where he ranks on that. Um Let's go to the other side of the ball. Defensively, uh, we have a lot of roles here at Basketball Index. He was in the low activity role, which is basically just someone a lot of the times that has a lot on their plate offensively. They kind of hide him away from the action, not doing a ton of rotating. Uh, so he, that is sort of a role reserved for star players a lot of the time. However, one metric that did pop uh when i was going through his profile and then also when i have seen him play is he does have an a in our passing lane defense and i feel like his length you know he's a bigger guard and then also his feel for the game and anticipation i've seen him jump a lot of passes and go the other way uh tell me what what you saw there in his first two years
1: yeah, His, he's like a, a a roving maverick on the back line when the Hornets play defense. He comes from guys blind side and pokes balls away, and like you say, has a has a really good feel of where passes will go. The only problem is he's a complete turnstile while defending the ball. And can't <laughs> anybody in front of him. So if, if I, it'd be really interesting, especially with Steve Clifford, the new head coach, where Steve Clifford is very much a guy who is quite a conservative. Defensive philosophy, you know, don't foul. This is another thing, LaMelo Ball. Terrible foul trouble last year. A number of times picking up... A lot of time after he does like a silly turnover, he picks up a guy full court and just gets to foul straight away for kind of like, you know, bumping him with the body or just being overly aggressive. He's got to sort that out as well because he gets into foul trouble and then he, he can't guard properly because he's worried about picking up a key one towards the end of the game. But uh, yeah, I mean, his, his, his read and feel for the game is is very good but you know we'd be lying if there wasn't times where he's rotates gambles and gives off a backdoor cut but i I will say there is more often he makes some really big plays in defense they're big highlight plays but it's just the kind of like possession to possession stuff if he's not stealing the ball he's essentially really killing your team and (laughs) the other thing i'll say about his defense is his defensive rebounding which is exceptional for a guard and that really gets the offense going as well because he can take the ball straight up the court. Um, as soon as he gets the rebound, push the pace, kind of as Russ did in OKC. And, and that really gets this team going as well.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot to like with Lamel offensively. Uh, I think that was a great description defensively. That I, I've only seen him in limited. I've uh, done a little bit of tape study, but I, I think you know what you're saying makes sense. There, there's definitely some some playmaking to his defense. Uh, but it, it's interesting to see if he'll improve there. I know he's a young player. I think he's going into his age. 21 season, so uh, he does have time on his side. Let's move on to Terry Rozier. This is a player I really like a lot. In the last two years, he's become a really high quality offensive player. He was uh, so this this stat kind of takes a little bit of getting used to, right? So we have our O Lebron, which is just our overall offensive impact and that is tied to your usage right if you're a player like luca or trey you have the ball in your hands all the time obviously your ability to have a larger impact on the offense you know that that kind of makes sense so for players with an offensive load under 40 and for people not super familiar with offensive load this is maybe your second your third players in the offense he was seventh and O lebron in 2022 so for how often he has the ball He's being extremely productive. Uh, tell me what you've seen out of Terry uh, as he starts to enter his prime there in Charlotte.
1: Yeah, I mean, Terry came to this team as the new point guard to replace Kemba Walker and was usurped by Devonte Graham in his first season Charlotte as the starting point guard and kind of just found himself playing this shooting guard role. And actually, it seems like he's super quick running off screens fantastic playing off brush screens, fades to the corners really well, and is a great tough shot maker. Like he makes uh, guys draped all over him, guys closing out hard. Even though he's not the biggest, he can really get some bounce, and such great balance that he can kind of fade and draws a lot of three-point fouls. He's really elusive off ball, and I think that that's helped him get open. Um, but, but So I, I can't say that we expected him to kind of emerge into one of the best perimeter three-point shooters Generally in the NBA, which he really has become, that wasn't his MO out of Boston, but it, he's he's now playing that shooting guard role. Seventy-five percent of his minutes, and um, he's he's playing less time with the ball in his hands. I, I don't love him as that kind of point guard guy, really, when he has to do the offense because he pounds the ball a little bit. And um, like, I just think you lose some of what's what's best about him with that off-ball action. But but with the makeup of the roster last season after they traded away Smith. Um, you know they they had to use Terry there, but overall, Terry is there. I mean, I did a survey recently after Lamelo. He is by clearly the second favorite player on this Hornets team amongst the fan base, um, which I think is quite something. After the overwhelming reaction when they signed him, after Kemba was was a negative one.
0: Yeah, all those points make a ton of sense. They, they're really backed up in the data. Uh, overall shot making, which is just basically how well you shoot relative to your overall shot quality. He was 94th percentile in the league last season. Uh, he's always shot it well, like you said, but last year, the last two years really has taken a huge step forward. Has an A plus in our three point shooting talent uh, last season, and then 89th in playmaking. The volume, like you said, is low, but the quality is quite good. So, Uh, I think Terry is a a really interesting player. And I really like when you have a young, you know, budding star like Lamelo, right? I feel like it's important to have guys on the team to help shoulder that offensive burden. So you don't just get stuck, you know, chucking it up late in the clock like you were talking about earlier. That can sometimes be difficult. And I feel like Terry is a really good complement to Lamelo, where the offense can sort of be spread out a little bit while Lamelo develops his game
1: yeah absolutely. and lamello still is not a great half court scorer. um he's great in transition. he can shoot the three ball well, but he he's not kind of like a right core timeout ten seconds to go. who are getting a shot That will always be Terry on this team or at least it has been the last two years. I, I think Lamelo will absolutely get there. He's just too talented and there's too much physical gifts and skill to to not get there. but like you said, I think that's definitely helped LaMelo out. Um, one could argue that he's not got those reps yet, but I think that is definitely going to come. Um, the, the real shame with the, the Terry LaMelo pairing is just defensively. And that's where, like, <laughs> re- really you want, like, you want to hide both of these guys on the weaker backcourt player on the other team, but you have two of them on your team. Um, so it's, it's a shame that they don't mesh better defensively. I think... I think Steve Clifford, one of the best big things he will try and get out, like especially for Lamelo. I know we touched on his defense already, but that's where I think Lamelo has the greatest uh, ground to make up. I think this season, where you can see a big jump, is hopefully on that defensive end because it, it was so bad. And I think the same can be said about Terry Rozier as well.
0: Uh, moving on to P.J. Washington, he's a stretch big going into his fourth year. Uh, I think stretch bigs are always kind of fascinating. He was 92nd percentile in our pick and pop impact stat. Uh his catch and shoot, he's had an A grade all three years in the league. Uh, tell us about PJ and sort of that, you know, that alluring big man that can stretch the floor a little bit.
1: Well, the the, the tale of PJ is difficult because he's played his whole rookie year basically a power forward. Then he flipped between the two in his sophomore year. And then last season, he played most of his minutes actually a centre. So looking at PJ's numbers, it's always really complicated because at centre, he's guarding guys like Joel Embiid uh, and, and Nikola Jokic, and he's picking up fouls. And essentially, whenever he plays centre, he just sets screens and pops above beyond the break and will bomb away threes. That's all he did. When they <laughs> moved him to power forward later in the season... He was much more aggressive. Like he would handle the ball a little bit more. He would attack downhill. Um, he would shoot from the corners a little bit better. He, he just seemed like a much more balanced offensive game, which I really liked. And he, he could also like, I think he was then a, a positive plus defender when he plays power forward. When it's center, he's he's often just overmatched. Um, so I, I think he's probably one of the best two-way players on this team. I just don't think he's been put in a position with the players around him, with a position he's been asked to play to actually show quite how good he is defensively
0: that's interesting you say that because that's badly needed context because his d lebron his overall defensive impact in our numbers was a lot higher two seasons ago uh, instead of last year and like you said the position what he was being asked to do was probably a big part of that um same thing when you were talking about Lamelo shooting the three where it was like In the data, it might look a certain way, but he was playing through a wrist injury, and that's definitely going to hinder your number. So, um, this is exactly why we have guys that follow the team on the podcast to help, uh, you know, pad out that context, to help understand players and the numbers that they have. Uh, We've talked about defense a little bit on this team. Uh, When are the Hornets going to? start adding defensive players via the draft via free agency because it seems like the focus has been on offense the last few years and they have added quite a bit of that Um, but when is that other side of the ball going to improve
1: that's a really good question I wish I could answer that Um, (laughs) I, I don't know if it's going to be this season I mean I think the coaching this season will help I think that was one of one of the driving factors of moving on from Borrego is that in his time in Charlotte, individual players had done well, but the team had never put together a good defence. And while Steve Clifford was here in Charlotte, even with limited players like Kemba Walker, Al Jefferson, the team was always a good defensive team um, and, and played to its principles. So I think that the way the team are trying to approach their build here is that we want to trust our system defensively to, to kind of keep ahead of above water. And and offensively, we want to really lean into being a a young, exciting, a fast-paced team. Um, In terms of the draft, I think they have tried in the draft at times, defensively. You know, Cody Martin, who they've just re-signed this offseason, he's a a defense-first player. They drafted JT Thor in the second round last season. Um, He very much projects to be like a a lockdown defender, ultra-long defensive wing uh, when he potentially comes around. So I, I think they have tried. And then obviously Mark Williams this year, he's been drafted specifically for his his defense, his rebounding, his rim protection, something this team has really struggled with in recent years. So yeah, I, I definitely think in the draft, they have tried. I think what, what the problem is, they've generally found themselves drafting like offensive players or defensive players. Mm. Not often the, the guys who can do both, like James Bucknight. Was very much is very much like an offensive player. Lamelo Ball is an offensive player. Um, you know, PJ probably is the best two-way guy, and, and he, I'm not sitting here saying that he's a great two-way player by any means, but he's probably the best on the roster right now, which which just says I think there's a little bit of imbalance, and yeah, when when it will change, I, I don't know. I mean, people have been calling for the Hornets to have Miles Turner for years. We thought we were going to get Rashawn Holmes from free agency last season, and then they went and traded for Plumlee who is <laughs> very much like a meh defensive big for a team that was desperate for shot blocking and rebounding and and plumley was fine. But again, look at the defense last season and you you can definitely point to Plumley being your starting center as a big reason for it just being so limited.
0: Yeah, I think Plumley is a guy when you watch him play as a reserve, uh you don't mind him really high motor, high energy, which can be nice off the bench. But yeah, those those long stretches, uh the the weaknesses become pretty evident. Uh, I was looking at free agency. It seems like a guy like Hassan Whiteside makes a lot of sense on paper. Dominant rim protector, a lob threat for LaMelo on the offensive end. I don't think he's really played with much of that throughout most of his career. Um, It just seems like some somebody like him, uh, a big defensive uh, uh, or a defensive big, would just really help this team and sort of slide everybody maybe over a position, slot them, you know, better defensively. A guy like PJ Washington we were talking about earlier.
1: Yeah, I do think you're right. I think people will slide over and play kind of a, a bigger at their position with PJ Powell forward this year. I honestly, I really don't see it with some Whiteside. I, I mean, he's been available for the Hornets to get for like the last four years and they've just never showed any interest whatsoever. And you'd think if they had any interest, they would have done that. There's some off the court issues with Whiteside as well. I don't think he's necessarily the, the, the greatest professionals that have the most mature approach. <laughs> and I think this team with some of the things that they've dealt with this off and some of the, the rumors we've heard around the team, that, that's something I don't know if you want to add. And then also, they've they just drafted Mark Williams. I mean, I, I know none of their centers are good, but you can't say they don't have a lot of them. Nick Richards, <laughs> Mark Williams, Kai Jones, Mason Plumley, PJ Washington can play some five. Um, they've got a lot of guys there. They, they're going to want to look at these. Mark Williams, I think, is a, projects to be a Whiteside-esque type player where he's just, you know, ultra long. I think nine foot, oh, I can't even remember the, the the standing reach for Mark Williams, but it was the, it's bigger than Rudy Gobert's. I remember that. Um so so yeah, I, I don't see Whiteside being a guy. I think if they add someone with their remaining roster spots, it's more likely to be someone uh to to back up the mellow and an extra ball handler. Kemba, Isaiah Thomas, um Alfred Payton, they kind of been been rumoured as the guys in in, in line there. So I, I'm being honest, I really don't see it with Hassan Whiteside.
0: Yeah, I think the points you laid out there do make sense, but it's just tough when you look at those rim protection numbers. I'm not not wanting to add him, but uh, that that was a that is a very good counter. What are your expectations for this season?
1: Can I can I come back to you after the Miles Bridges update for the court case? Uh
0: without Miles, where do you see this season going?
1: Um, gosh, I hate that I'm saying this, but I think the same as the last two seasons, another 10th seed, 36, 40 wins. I, I think the big wild card in all this is Lamello. If Lamello can take a, a jump where he goes from being like a, you know, fringe all-star to like a Trey level, you know, uh, I, I don't want to throw out any names, but like Jason Tatum, Trey, Luca, like that kind of level of like, yep, you can run the offense through me and you will automatically be a, a good team. Um, which I wouldn't rule out because I just don't think with what he's shown this early in his career, at his age, you can you can rule anything out for, for LaMelo Ball. Um, but yeah, I, if I'm being honest, I, I the Miles Bridges thing has completely torpedoed their entire off-season and their, their plan is a franchise going forward. And honestly, what I would prefer if Miles Bridges is going to be unavailable for most of the season, which I think even if he does get off legally on this, which I think is very unlikely, and I, I hope he doesn't, to be honest. Um, I think he would still have a hefty suspension from the NBA where he would play very limited minutes, if not be suspended for the whole season. Um, so w- with that in mind, I, I would prefer the team to just almost take like a gap year, a little bit like Portland did last season. And right, let's figure out what we've we got in Mark Williams, Kai Jones, James Bucknight, JT Thor, Nick Richards. Uh, can we try and move off guys like Plumlee, Oubre, um, maybe there's a, a Hayward trade or something where you can to free up some space because they've got a cap space next year there's a very strong upcoming draft which I think they keep their pick if it's I think top 12 or lottery protected um, that, that's what I would want them to do, they will never do that because the team is owned by Michael Jordan and he just doesn't function in in that kind of manner um, but I think it could be another battling for our bottom of the east to type of, type of team again
0: yeah that all makes sense um yeah the the miles stuff has really made the the, the offseason difficult it's tough because i was one of his biggest fans like just just watching him play i just really enjoyed it It was really exciting then also see all the legal stuff where it's like okay well <laughs> this is obviously much more important so uh it, it, i'm not exactly sure what's going to happen um I know his trial comes up pretty soon and he, he, I I don't know. I don't know how the NBA, I don't know what the precedent for handling this is, but like, I would imagine he has to get suspended, but moving on closing lineup for this year. Uh, what do you see? Uh, how do you see that shaking out for the Hornets?
1: You see this, this question made my head hurt. This was the one of all the things you sent over to me. I was like, I have not even thought about this yet. (laughs) And you're like, "I've I've got to think about this now. And, um, I actually tweeted out this question to my followers because uh, I was—I've gone for Lamella Ball, ear Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, and I've got Cody Martin is the the fifth guy. I think those first four you can lock in in some order. The question is: Do you have Cody Martin? And do you play PJ at the five? Do you go with one of the the younger bigs like Kai Jones, Nick Richards, Mark Williams? I think they're all unlikely for. Various reasons of just inexperience. I just don't see how you can play Mason Plumley, who's such a bad free throw shooter late in, in games. So I think that kind of rules him out. So then you're left with like, well, Cody Martin and Jonah McDaniels. Um, and, and in the poll that I sent out, I think 38% of fans voted for a young big. So that would be one of Kai Nickelmark. 36% voted for Cody, 20% for Plumley, and 6% for Jonah McDaniels, which surprised me because. Because Jalen? Adds size. He has length, rebounding, more room protection than, than kind of Cody Martin. And again, thinking what what Clifford likes and what he values, Cody Martin, Jalen McDaniel's are both very much feel like Cl- Clifford type players, especially Cody Martin. I think that's why most people voted for him, and and that's what I went for. But that was also kind of makes the Hornets a little bit smaller. And I know that's something that Steve Clifford doesn't like to to do a great deal either.
0: All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, James, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for getting us all up to speed on the Hornets going into next season. Um, what is your what is your Twitter handle?
1: Uh, I'm at British underscore Buzz. So I, I, if you want to follow, if you want to follow one Hornets person, if you're listening to this, I'm guessing you're not a Hornets fan because there are many. <laughs> but if you want to think, you know what? They're an interesting team. I want to just have a little sprinkling of Hornets updates every now and then. Go give me a follow and. And give us a follow at all Hornets, all underscore Hornets, on Twitter as well, which is uh, the website uh, which, which I work out of. And we got a lot of great stuff planned for this upcoming season. So your number one place for Hornets coverage.
0: All right, James. Thanks for joining us on the B-Ball Index podcast. My name is Taylor, and we'll see you on the next episode.